0: We're talking travel on 2NURFM for our sponsor, Travel on King. And we are talking cruising today with Barry Warwick, joining me, Jane Klein. Barry, cruising is so very popular, but there are certain things we need to think about.
1: Yes, Jane, there's a, a lot of things to take into consideration when finding a cruise. And picking the right one can make the difference between having a fantastic holiday and something that is a little bit lackluster or, or even downright horrible. So uh, first of all, you've got to give a little bit of thought to what sort of cruise that you want. So I suppose the first thing you
0: need to think about is which ship? Exactly. Or boat? Not,
1: not ship, uh, which company, Uh What size? And they're all really important. Uh, The other thing is, do you want something where cruising is the main focus and all the things that that a larger ship has to offer with entertainment, uh, plenty of dining, plenty of places to get lost, um, or do you need somewhere to uh, that, that you want to be checking out the ports and... The ports are the main focus as opposed to the shipboard life. So, of course, you can go on the high seas and
0: you're a big ship, or you can go coast hopping, can't you, as well? That's that's another
1: thought. And one of the major advantages of the smaller ships is that they get into uh, ports that the larger ships just can't get into. And it can also have a bearing on where they actually dock. Uh, Some of the smaller ships can go right into port so that you can actually step off and step into town. Uh, St Petersburg is a good example of this. The larger ships have to anchor out and they can be a a couple of miles further out than some of the smaller ships that go right in the harbour. And... There are small ships, there are medium-sized ships, and there are large ships, So, and then there are mega ships. So there, there are a lot of choices out there to um, take into consideration when you're booking a, a, a cruise.
0: If you're going out on an open sea passage, is it better to be in a bigger ship or a smaller
1: ship? Well, that's one of the advantages of the bigger ship in the open sea. Um, they will rock less. Uh, certainly, they are not affected as much by waves. Whereas smaller ships, and particularly when you get on the, you know, the 170 passenger ones, um, they are more prone to feeling the the effects of the ocean than than the larger ones. Um, for example, I went on Sea Princess at one stage, and it, it was a 30,000 ton vessel, which these days it's not big, but it's not considered a small ship either. And um, we, we struck a little bit of rough weather and the maitre d' looked decidedly green and I sort of questioned him, saying, this is your living, why are you not so well? And he said, I'm used to the much larger vessels that don't rock as much. So uh, it can have a bearing and that's something, if you're prone to seasickness, that you should take into consideration. Other things that you should take into is whether you want a really lively ship too. Uh, Are you going there to have uh, a, a lively crowd or do you want something that's more sedate and sophisticated?
0: Yes, the kind of entertainment that there's likely to be on
1: board. Uh, Yeah, the entertainment and just the meeting areas and the type of music. And, uh, for example, um, the average age of a a cruiser is uh, generally around about 45 through upwards. Now, uh, they... Again, within that age group, they vary. Some people like to go out and have a really good time. Other people like a quieter cruise. So that's why it's important to choose the correct cruise line. Younger people, it's better for them to take shorter cruises. So longer cruises for the older generation, short cruises for the younger generation so that they can go out into the ports and have a look and just generally have a quick Short time, and that's the time that they have available. So that's something to consider when you're choosing a cruise.
0: Now, also, I suppose larger ships have more options for eating too, restaurants and cafe type setups, do they?
1: They do. Um, and again, that's one of the the pros for the larger ships is that you have not only the option of just your normal dining, uh, and this can be uh, either assigned seating. Now the benefits of assigned seating is that you're with the same group of people each night, and it allows you the chance to, I guess, get to know people more easily if you're you're a little bit um, shy or or not outgoing. Otherwise, the other alternative is there's freestyle on or uh, there's freestyle seating on the larger ships as well, which allows you to. Go with your group of friends and go at the time that you want to actually go. So, uh, again, another consideration is whether it's all fixed dining or freestyle. On the smaller ships, you can get really great food, and re- but you usually only have the choice of one restaurant
0: to RFM's Talking Travel for our sponsor, Travel on King. And we're talking cruising today, Barry Warwick, and, uh, well, seasickness. We've talked about being on the high seas, and you've said that big ships can withstand seasickness uh, much better than smaller ships,
1: maybe. That's right, uh, and... Look, it may be the choice if you're prone to seasickness. This is where you choose a river cruise as opposed to an ocean-going cruise. However, if you know that you suffer a little bit from seasickness, but not a lot, not a whole lot, uh, then there is a couple of things that you can do. Sea bands usually aid a lot of people, and they are a worthwhile investment prior to going on the cruise so that you know that you have them. Uh, ginger pills or chews also are known to help.
0: Ginger. And, hmm
1: it's it's one of the home remedies and uh, also orange juice uh, oranges and the peel of oranges apparently the the smell of that does assist in in reducing your seasickness you should also keep your stomach with food in it every couple of hours but avoid acidic foods okay. so then if all of that fails you can always use the pharmaceutical preparations that are available and then the ship does have or the ship's doctor does have an injection if you really suffer from seasickness. So there's a range of ways to get around seasickness and perhaps the the best way is to try on a larger vessel if you're a little bit unsure.
0: Mm, sounds fair. So on a larger vessel, we're going into port, we're going off to see something, yeah. a shore excursion. Do we have to pay extra for it?
1: Yeah, shore excursions are one of the things that the ships make their money from. And again, I'll, St. Petersburg is a, a great example of this. If you go on the ship's cruises, the ships quite often get a blanket visa which will cover their cruises to go ashore. So you don't have to invest the two or three hundred that a Russian visa will end up costing you. However, People, a lot of people aren't aware that you can also, as long as you've got a guide, St. Petersburg is one of the free, visa free ports as long as you're on a guided tour. So you can actually arrange a shore excursion outside the ship for around about 30 to 50% less than what the ship will charge you and know that you You're still going to get to see everything that you want to but don't need to have a Russian visa. However, if you want to wander around the port, you do have to have a Russian visa and you
0: organise that yourself
1: your or your travel agent organises mm. that prior to going and it's really important even the uh shore excursions uh that you organise outside must be done well in advance so that you've got the paperwork that you can present to the ship so that you can then actually get off the ship when you're you're in port
0: now is that procedure the same this visa free if you're on a guided tour in other countries
1: Um, It varies from country to country, so it's something that uh, travel agents will certainly assist you with in telling you where and when you need to have a visa. For most ports in Europe, Australians are really, really lucky and they don't need to have visas, but there are other nationalities that do require a visa for just about any country that they visit. Uh, And if you're doing a, a line voyage, say, between Sydney and Southampton, if you're calling into India, for example you would need to have a visa, otherwise you will have to stay on board ship. Another one is China, where even if you're not getting off the ship, you quite often have to have a visa. Now, again, it varies a little bit from shipping line to shipping line as to what visa arrangements they've put in place, but generally speaking, you do have to buy that uh, Chinese visa, even though you might not plan to go ashore there.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Now, um, do all cruise ships include shore excursions as part of the fee that you've paid?
1: Um, The cost? Most of them, it's an additional cost, and so you will usually find that where you're paying a cheaper price for the cruise, um, shore excursions will be. An additional cost. There are some cruises that are all inclusive and actually include all your shore excursions but they're fairly rare at this particular point in time and they're, they're usually more the small ship cruisers that are going to exotic ports.
0: Mm. Now finally on cruising perhaps, well we may mention them in the next segment I suppose, hot deals, but uh, repositioning cruisers, now that's a class of its own in some
1: ways. Repositioning cruises they certainly are Jane and one of the, the good things about uh, repositioning cruisers are they're usually cheaper. Now a repositioning cruise would be, say, from Rio de Janeiro to Europe, uh, from Alaska to the Caribbean or vice versa, or um, Europe to Florida. So there are a number of them. And so you go to ports that you probably wouldn't normally go to. You spend a little bit more time at sea. So it's more for the cruiser that likes the shipboard life or wants to see an exotic destination. For example, the, cru- the repositioning cruises between Europe and Florida go via the Canary Islands. So, you know, it's something that you probably wouldn't ever get or a place that you wouldn't ever get, get to uh, without doing that, uh, that cruise. Okay. Or the ones between Alaska and the Caribbean, you've got the Panama Canal, another exotic and, and really different way of seeing the world.
0: Are, now you likely to have fewer fellow passengers on a repositioning cruise?
1: They still like to have a, a, a pretty full ship when they go and that's why they're, they're usually a little bit cheaper to induce, because the ship part of the appeal of the ship, I guess, is the number of passengers. So it's really important to to fill the, the ship pretty well. And so in order to make it uh, an enjoyable joy, voyage for everyone concerned, um, they drop the prices and so you pick up a good deal. So you get the benefits of enjoying cruising. Uh, you get to know, because they're usually a little bit longer, you get to know your passenger, fellow passengers better. And it's a really nice way to have a holiday, and you can sit back and relax. Thank you, Barry Warwick. Yeah, thank you, Jane. That's Talking Travel for
0: today on 2NURFM for our sponsor, Travel on King, and we'll be back next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.